we're talking about saving lives, we're talking about saving money, we're talking about uh, saving our, our environment. And sometimes we have to rely on our interpretation because the mistakes or failure we will have as a consequence of not following that interpretation could be even more disastrous. Hello, my name is Andrew Gary, and welcome to Seismic Sound Off, in-depth conversations in applied geophysics. In this episode, I speak with Alarisa Malimir, professor of applied geophysics at Uppsala University. We discuss geophysics' role in preventing natural hazards and best practices for communicating science to the public and policymakers. Dr. Malimir also led a Geoscientist Without Borders project focused on quick clay or rapid earth flow landslides in Sweden. Find a link to his project in the show notes. Now for our conversation. You know, for a long time, I had interchangeably used the words natural disaster and natural hazards. Could you just briefly explain the difference between a natural hazard and a natural disaster? Yeah, I guess you could say a natural hazard is some sort of like a threat that can occur naturally, like if it's a volcano, if it's an earthquake, landslide flooding. So as long as it is a threat that has not occurred, it it's, is a, it's a hazard. But when it occurs, and particularly if it impacts us, like, like our lives or infrastructure uh, or environment, then, then it's a disaster. Being a natural hazard by itself is not dangerous in a way, but, but when, it, when it occurs and, and it, it impacts us, it's, then it's a disaster. So, so understanding about natural hazard is pretty good because we could avoid turning that to a disaster. What recommendations would you have to get the geoscience community to better engage with other countries that are impacted by natural hazards to, to minimize the impact of, of it striking if and when something comes along? We have very good expertise. You know, we, we, we are equipped with lots of modern technologies, sometimes not adopted to specific field. Uh, if you know what I mean, like we're very good in exploring. Uh, you know, we, we explore to very great level of details. For whatever reason, we are not employing them to solve our natural hazards, essentially, or tackle our natural hazards, like understanding them. So one way to contribute would be, like, we, we, we try to use, we try to test some of these advanced technologies, advanced methods that we have. And we say, okay, let's do a test. Like, essentially, this is what we did in, 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 the, in, in our project. It was not really meant to solve the trouble. It meant to use the whole thing as a model. And I guess that's maybe the, the way we could go. And then, like, I think the scientific community should contribute more and more. They have the knowledge, but they should just come and say, okay, let's test this, this for this particular problem and see whether we can adopt that to this particular problem. And I guess we will be then successful. You know, as I said, we are, we, we're very good at exploring and at depth and very great level of details. But uh, wh- whether this is um, money-driven or, or interest-driven, it remains to be a little bit uh, fixed. Taking a, a slight step back, you know, just from, for my own sake, you know, what type of natural hazards or what type of these problems do you see geophysics as being very adept at addressing? Earthquakes, I guess. Um, yeah, I think earthquake is, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you know most earthquakes that we have which they turn to become disaster. 
there are located areas that are highly populated. And for that reason, or because we have the, 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 the methodology, we use to a very great level of details uh, uh, geophysical methods, particularly seismic methods. And um, uh, for volcanoes, yes, because we, we're also monitoring them, but we, we know where they occur. It's often where we have existing volcanoes. But we do not use them very often for landslides, you know, flooding and sinkholes. The American Geophysical Union has a, a position statement on natural hazards. And, and one of the things they, they say is they have these six areas that they think we need to build to have a resilient society. And those areas are research, education, awareness, strategy, investment, and preparedness and response. I was wondering what area of those six do you think you know, something like the Society of Exploration Geophysicists are strongest at addressing now, and what area might need to be improved to minimize the cost of natural hazards? Yeah, I guess if I want to point my hand in one of those six um, topics, I would say the strongest of those six is awareness. And I have a reason for it. We are aware of the, the natural hazards. You know, we know where they occur. We, we, we know the trouble that they, they, they can uh, make. But we often ignore them. <laughs> so uh, we often ignore them and, um, uh, or maybe sometimes ignore them. And because we ignore them, we don't quickly respond to them. And, and, and we're not ready when they occur. And um, so I would say awareness, it's there. But the problem is the ignorance. So... And we often do not invest to study them. So because, you know, like, you know, if something is hot today, you know, a disaster occurs, temporarily this is on the agenda, but after a while we start forgetting it. So, uh, so we do not invest. We do not invest to understand the trouble in a, in a great level of details. It's often maybe superficial. And then, of, of course, as a geophysicist, we, 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 again, we are armed with all, all these arsenals of methods and, and technology, and we could, we could uh, provide this great level of details. We, we can scan the subsurface without digging it. So, and and, and that's, that's the key thing. And also, we do not educate ourselves. So uh, in a way, when I say ourselves, it's uh, us as, as an individual, as a society, uh, students. And those students are not necessarily ge geophysicists, the students taking our courses. But we try to bring up the, the topic and, and we educate our, our society and even our government, then I guess we would do a much better job. And um, uh, we have the technology, uh, uh, so we, we, but we have to adopt them for our problems. Uh, it might not be straightforward. And I guess at the end, what we need to improve, it's likely is to have a good strategy that combines research and education to tackle uh, natural hazards. And, um, uh, and I guess we should also say natural hazards sometimes are unavoidable. So it's like if you're sitting in a volcanic uh, uh, reach area, you're expecting to get volcanoes erupting. If, you study, if, you, if you're living in you know, tectonic zones, you, you're expected to get earthquakes. But, but understanding the conditions, the consequences that you know, they, they bring, uh, will lead us to better prepare ourselves, and 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 there we can maybe you know save lives, uh, money, and even our natural resources. You know we have uh, consumed quite a bit to build our, our infrastructure. So, 
as soon as they are destroyed or they're not properly built, we are ruining our natural resources. How can the geoscientists and the professional societies they are a part of do a better job of addressing maybe some of that ignorance or that educational needs and get this information in the hands of policymakers and local governments and people that can really address some of these things that you all are finding out in the field? I think we as a geophysicist are also guilty. <laughs> Or I think maybe just scientific, just scientific community as a whole. We geophysicists are guilty of not presenting or 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 methods or approaches to the other, I would say like sister fields like geoengineers, for example. But as a geoscientific community, we are guilty of not presenting or approaches or methods to to the society. We do not write very often popular science. You know, we do not write things in newspaper you know this is the way we do it and you could you know we we could we could explore but we could you know we could explore for natural resources but we could also scan or sub subsurface you know from uh, lower feet down to whatever hundreds of meters and that's where the main trouble is in most cases and again we are very bad at representing ourselves to the society and that's i guess something we should exercise how do we go out and, and tell the other, the, the other communities, those that are making decisions. We're even sometimes shy to say what we think about the subsurface because we maybe think it's, it's totally wrong and it's, not, you know, it's unexpected. But, but again, going out and talking to the public, talking to the government is important. And we could maybe start right there from ourselves talking to each other. You know, geophysicists should talk to engineers, geoengineers, and, and, and participate in their conferences, their, their, their magazine, you know, their journal, peer reviews, and then taking it from there to higher up. And I guess as far as we have not solved from, from this bottom, it's very difficult to go very higher up because first we need to fix this among ourselves. You sort of t talked about this in a couple of questions ago, but I'm wondering if you could elaborate maybe a little bit more about what roles you see you know, with other disciplines that they could take and policymakers and these key stakeholders have in mitigating natural hazards, how they could all work together to improve the future? I think if we want to improve, we need to build up teams that includes um, uh, a wide range of expertise. There should be geophysicists, there should be joint engineers, um, hydrogeologists, yeah, obviously a community there, uh, um, uh, that are really going to be impacted and and they all need to work together and um, uh, and I guess when they work together uh, this this is going to lead this is going to impact so because they're going to complement each other they have to argue about their findings whether they are significant if they're not significant uh, how they how, how how you can argue that they are not significant and very often everything we see in the subsurface has a, some some role but again, it's like, how significant is that role? It's, it's something left uh, for the team to, to, to discover. And I guess if they work as a team and they, they involve policy, uh, policymakers, you know, then they would see it's a team that are, that are arguing for one, one trouble. Um, they're arguing that if these are the conditions, it may lead to, to disaster. So, and policymakers will see that this is based on scientific facts and there's a, there's a common 
uh, you know, argument uh, about it, and I guess it's going to be both by them. So, and and again, I think working in a team, it's it's very helpful. And I guess most scientists without border program, it's it the project that we have, the multidisciplinary. They involve maybe a, a community. They involve different fields. But um, if we involve even policymakers, it would uh, it, it would really lead to some impact. There can be, especially in the United States, and you would have a better understanding of this as a, a more global problem as well. You know, sometimes science can come under attack, and just the idea of what is scientifically proven or a solid scientific theory can be difficult for scientists to elaborate and explain to to policymakers. Do you have suggestions about how how geoscientists and the work that you're doing uh, can be explained in ways to policymakers that they can understand why this is scientifically relevant and why it's something that they should pursue? We're talking about two things. Um, you know, as a geophysicist, what you see is an indirect image. Um, so what often leads to trouble there, you know, being questioned or being attacked is the interpretation that we have on, on those, let's say, images. Um, so the factual things are not wrong. So, you know, if we see something, if we're pretty, you know, if we have not done anything wrong in our, in our processes, uh, they're real. But the way we interpret them, it's where we get into trouble. So, and, 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 and any interpretation, it's subject to failure because it's an interpretation eventually. It's not a, um, a direct observation. So, um, I guess tackling geohazard, it's, it's much easier because you could back up your, your interpretation with some direct observation. For example, like boreholes. Uh, you know, in some particular cases, it can happen. But in some other cases, it may, may not that be easy. You know, if you're studying an, air, uh, an earthquake, earthquake, it might not be easy. But I know, I'm aware of air, even boreholes monitoring uh, earthquakes. So anyway, so for our interpretation, if we want to be very solid, we need to back it up with direct observations. And again, those direct observations are point-wise. So uh, we, we're going to be attacked because we're going to interpret. Even sometimes we're 100% sure we call them in, we, we call it at the end, it's interpretation. And um, um, it's really as a mindset. It's a mindset that we need to change, that we're talking about saving lives, we're talking about saving money, we're talking about uh, saving our, our environment. And sometimes we have to rely on our interpretation. And, and that interpretation alone is it's enough. So, and it does not have to be like, you know, 100% correct. You know, because the mistakes or failure we will have as a consequence of not following that interpretation could be even more disastrous. How can the SEG and even the private sector better contribute to the world more broadly in mitigating these natural hazards? I think with, with you know, expert communities like SEG, what we are armed with is the technology. And what the public is armed with is essentially it's, it's what they see from aftermath of uh, a natural disaster. I don't want to say like to abuse this, but essentially if technology is, is shown to the public that is going to work and it's going to provide some sort of re reliable information, I guess public will, will back up that technology. So again, for us, 
as a SEG or as a, as an expert community, we need to connect to the public. We need to connect to the to society, and we need to kind of lower our language in you know expert language and 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 try to go in in a gentle I don't know how to say it like um, in in really popular science way say okay the the method is there the technology is there we have had it for some times and you showcase this you know you take your examples from GWB for example and go out to say uh, this is how we have done it and it, how it how it has worked in in other places why should it work here and there at seg.org slash podcast, you will find the show notes and links to some of Alarisa's articles, as well as the American Geophysical Union statement on natural hazards. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Your reviews bring a smile to our faces. Subscribe to Seismic Sound Off on your phone using the podcast app of your choice. This will allow you to receive the latest episodes first. My podcast app of choice is Pocket Casts. Seismic Sound Off is sponsored by the SEG Wiki, the place to find hundreds of biographies of geoscientists, open access tutorials, and ongoing translations of SEG's best-selling book, Robert Cheris Encyclopedic Dictionary. Type wiki.seg.org into your browser to visit the world's first online geophysics encyclopedia. Original music by Zach Bridges. This episode was hosted, edited, and produced by me, Andrew Gary. Special thanks to the SEG podcast team, Jennifer Crockett, Ali McGinnis, Mick Sweeney, and Adrian White. Thank you for listening. This is Seismic Sound Off, signaling off. <laughs>